Good morning. Uh, turn to the book of Proverbs. We're going to talk about parenting. Good luck to you. Uh, so we begin this morning. I, I just want to um, just want to be honest with you up front. Uh, as I preach about parenting, I want to be full disclosure here. Uh, I'm not even close to a good uh, good parent. Uh, this perfect parent that you know. I, I think it's funny when I, I wanted to say to you this morning as I was thinking about how to talk about this that I, I wanted to tell you that I wasn't a perfect parent. Uh, but that's deceptive in even saying that I'm not a perfect parent because that that means that there's just a couple of little areas that I struggle in uh, and that wouldn't be true. That wouldn't be true. Uh, I'm not a perfect parent. My wife is here and some of my children are here and we're just going to have the cone of silence be on them. They're, they're not going to give any opportunities for testimonials this morning. I also want to talk to you, um, well, I, I, as, as I share that, I want to tell you that Rebecca and I, with you as parents, we're right in there with you. Um, Caleb's 15 and Anna's 6, and there's a couple others in the middle there somewhere. Um, we have some at all the schools here in every phase, and uh, we are there with you. Um, we've described this picture before here at the church that the church is a flock and that everyone is a sheep we're sheep and as a pastor I'm a sheep alongside you I am not the one that's over you going dumb sheep you know you don't have it all we're in there with you and we all look to the the one who loves us and is the good shepherd um, as we uh, seek to follow him here in this life I also want to tell you there's kind of a warning label on this message and these couple of messages. I realize that for some of you, uh, you're like, parenting, it's too late. It's too late. I'm done. Uh, I'm happy to be done. I have some scars to prove it, uh, that it was a tough go. Um, but I want to tell you that if you feel like you have failed, and you probably have failed, um, You've probably warped your kids in many ways. Um, as I have to my kids, they haven't quite figured it all out yet uh, in what ways. We all fail. Uh, we are not perfect parents. We are not uh, the model for anything. Uh, and so I, I want to encourage you with that to say that this message this morning, first of all, you need to apply God's grace to your own life. Uh, if you failed, uh, God is not surprised that you failed. Uh, he is not going, oh, you know, that one kind of snuck by me there. I didn't realize. Um, he knows that you have failed. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. So that in our sins and failings, that he would cover those, every one of them, even in our parenting. Uh, also, I, I want to tell you that this message, even if you are not in the midst of raising kids, this is a message for culture for this church that we have to have an attitude throughout uh, every age group of what it is to parent and that we go back to God's word. Uh, so what we're hoping that God will do is that he'll teach all of us so that we can encourage um, as we are a part of this great process of raising kids. I, I realize there's different kinds of parents here and different things we struggle with. And I've listed out a few here that I just want to talk Talk to you about. 
of struggles that parents go through. And there are more. I, it was neat because after the first service, people came up to me and gave me a few more. Um, I won't add those in because I you know, copyright infringement and all that other stuff. Um, first of all, I want to talk to you. Most of us, uh, especially those who are new parents, um, they desire to be the super parent. Uh, the, the idea of the cape and all. And w- what they think about, they think about their own upbringing. Uh, there were good pieces and bad pieces to their own upbringing. And they say, hey, I learned good stuff from my parents. I'm going to take that. But my parents also blew it in a few areas. My parents blew it. And in those areas, uh, I have more data. I have more. And I'm going to, in all areas, I am going to be the perfect parent. Uh, my, my kids are not going to eat this because that's bad for you. We figured that out. Uh, they are not going to wear this because it gives you rashes and allergies. Uh, we are going to not, the, the formula, because we, we figured out that everyone who does formula is bad. Uh, we realize our, our kids are not going to, you know, they're going to crawl. Uh, we're, we're going to teach them how to speak like this. We're, Throw sign language in there. I always think sign language is a good one because um, one of the great uh, awakenings for parents is, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, that there's bad stuff inside your kid. And once you allow them to communicate clearly with you, you know what they communicate? Bad stuff, right? It comes out, and if you give them sign language, that's just another means of communication. You know, I just want to tell you that. Anyways, we, we have all these ideas that we are going to be the perfect parent. We're going, I want to encourage you and kind of maybe discourage you at the same time. You can't be perfect parents. You're incapable of it. And that uh, all those things that your parents blew it on, they didn't do it on purpose, Right? They just, couldn't, they just couldn't get it together, right? They were a part of a phase of life as you are right now. And so super parents don't exist. There's other kinds of things that we struggle with as well. How about insecurity-driven parenting? Um, so we're insecure. We're insecure. We struggle with our past and our sins and, and who we are and Christ and all these other things. And we struggle. And so now we're parents, and we look at our child and we go, oh no, what am I going to do to him? And oh no, am I going to mess this up? And, and then I look to some other parent and they're doing something. And we go, oh no, should I be doing that? Yeah, I'm a bad mom. I'm a bad dad. I, I better start doing that. And so we start doing what that parent does. Lo and behold, we see someone over here that's doing something a little bit different. And we go, oh no, am I a bad parent? I need to be doing that. And we start collecting these things and the mountain of things that we must do. We're like, oh, oh no, I, I, I got to be doing this because if I don't do this, I'm a bad parent. You know, and I'm going to work my kid. You know, my kid needs to, I, I didn't get to play sports and they're playing sports. I need to get my kid in sports. They need to be playing baseball. But what about basketball? Uh, maybe, maybe there'll be, so soccer, basketball, piano, oboe, uh, I, I, I gotta, I gotta sign them up for everything because if I don't, you know, I'm a bad parent and the insecurities of life just flood us. The insecurities of life. There's also, uh, the fear driven parent. Um, these parents watch the news quite a bit. They're on the internet quite a bit. 
they hear something, you know. There's this one kid who cut off his finger with safety scissors in Europe. And so we go through the house and we're removing all the scissors. Scissors are bad. Scissors are bad. I'm, I'm scared of scissors. We hear of uh, uh, someone uh, getting a particular sickness from a, a particular product. And so we don't go into that store anymore. Uh, we, and, and it just floods us. And, and what can we be afraid of? What can we be afraid of? Everything. Everything. And the more we, we investigate and the more we, we look and we listen for bad stories and we go, Oh no, I'll never let that happen to my child. And, and based upon fear, we're constantly running around saying, We won't do this, won't do that. I, I can, because I'm the parent, I can protect from the world. Everything. The last uh, parent I want to talk to you about is uh, what I call the bubble wrap parent. And it's kind of connected to the, the fear parent. The bubble wrap parent is like they see all those awful things and they just pull back. And they, they take their child and they wrap them in bubble wrap and they say, my child will never experience anything hard, painful, no bad thing will ever touch my child. The world may be a bad place, but my son or daughter will never know about it because they're protected. I think that we all, I was talking with one and he says, well, there's an extra one. Um, it's all of the above, all of the above. And, and I said, you know, it's really not all of the above. It's particular hours and days. One, one day I'm this way and I'm struggling with this and I'm driven by these things and the next day I'm uh, struggling with being fear and I'm pulling back and other days I'm... Uh, all these different things come flooding in. This morning as we look to the book of Proverbs, um, I, I want to tell you one thing and this may not encourage you. Uh, I remember I didn't grow up playing golf and I really don't play golf now. Uh, from time to time I go out there but there was one cool thing that I learned about golf. I remember being out at Bear Valley, uh, the course here and I was golfing with uh, probably one of the older guys of the church and we step up to the first tee, and if you've ever golfed at Bear Valley, it's super intimidating, super intimidating, because people can see you on the first tee, and there's big rocks there, and it kind of goes down, and everyone's watching, and I, I remember you, you, you get up there to hit, and you can hit whenever you want to. You put the ball down there, and you get up there, and as, as soon as, immediately, when, when you're ready to hit the ball in a bad direction, you can hit it whenever you want. And so you step over that thing and you hit and you look up like that and you're trying to find the ball and it's like three feet uh, on the ground right over here. And I remember, it might have even been you, Craig, uh, uh, sharing with me. You're not one of the old guys. But anyways, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll confess my sins to you later. Um, but uh, they said, oh, just take a mulligan. Just take a mulligan. And I go, what's a mulligan? And they said, well, it's kind of like a do-over. That one doesn't count. And I'm like, hey, golf's a great sport. You can just do do-overs? Yeah, you, you, it's a take a mulligan. And, and I, I wanted, this won't encourage you. This won't encourage you. When it comes to parenting, you can't take a mulligan. You, you can't, you know, you, you, you finish parenting, kids 16, 17, 18 years old, you can't say, can I take a do-over? Can I take a do-over? Hey, let's let this one not count, and we'll just do another one, okay? Um, 
one of the, for the first service, they said, well, just keep having more kids and you can just practice over and over again. Um, I don't know, maybe. Uh, there's no mulligans, right? There's no sense in which uh, there's, uh, we, this is too important for us to let, let slip by. And so there's no mulligans. The other thing I want to tell you, really at the outset, this is going to challenge whether we believe the Bible or not. I, I, I don't want to sound like, like I found something that no one else has found before, but you're only going to hear this here and places like here because we're going from the Bible. And the Bible doesn't agree with those magazines. It doesn't agree with the blogs. It doesn't agree with the, the experts, the psychologists. Uh, many pediatricians, all that stuff. It doesn't agree with it. And I want to warn you at the outset, it will challenge whether you will listen to what God has to say or you will take the experts and place God's word in the midst of that. This morning, I I just want to start with the outset uh, of our time that parenting takes, uh, it has a goal to it. And uh, having Ellison up here is just the perfect picture. I just want to tell you. So you saw little Ellison. I got to hold her. She was wearing that sweet, cute thing and the beautiful dress. And so you take Ellison and you, you have a little infant and they're totally dependent upon you for everything. I mean, there's nothing that she can do uh, to provide for herself. She needs you. And that's what infants are. They're totally dependent upon you. And you want to take that little one and over time that they would grow to be someone who is an adult who is totally dependent upon Jesus. Totally dependent upon Jesus. That's the goal. I realize that uh, that's not uh, an easy path from there to there. I realize that it's complicated. I realize that it involves choices and, and the work of God involved in that, that you cannot manipulate that to happen. But that's our goal, right? That's our goal. From an infant totally dependent upon you to an adult totally dependent upon Jesus. That's our desire. As we go to Proverbs um, I want to just tell you, it's all about planting wisdom in the heart of uh, a young man or a young woman. It's about taking God's wisdom and planting it and putting it in the heart uh, of your child or your, your, your son or your daughter. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7, please turn over there. I want you to see something. and Hold your uh, finger in chapter 1 as well. Chapter 1 and chapter 3. And I want to show you something. And as we go to planting wisdom, I think about wisdom begets wisdom. Like wisdom comes from others who have wisdom. In chapter 1, verse 7, it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Or wisdom and fools despise wisdom and under instruction. Solomon, the, the book of Proverbs is written by Solomon. He is downloading to his son, his young man of a son. He's downloading to him what he needs to know. And he's setting him up for life. And really, as we think about it, that's what we're doing here this morning is we're thinking about parenting, setting up the next generation for life. 
As you think about this, in chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Solomon knew that. He knew that. He knew that he had to be in right relationship with God, that fear of the Lord relationship. It's not that he walked around thinking that God was going to squish him, but he realized that he had to have a right relationship of honor and respect and worship to the, his God Almighty. And so he talks about that's the beginning of wisdom, that he had to have wisdom. If you look over in chapter 3, verse 7, it says this as he talks to his son. He says this, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It's interesting to me that Solomon knew that the beginning of wisdom for him was the fear of the Lord. And then he called to his son. He says, Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. He says, son, don't get confused that I want you to know that you need, to, you need the Lord. You need to fear Him. You need to be in right relationship. I want to ask you, what stops people from being in right relationship with the Lord? Thinking highly of themselves. I don't need the Lord. You know, uh, to have a relationship with God, that's, that's, that's for people who are weak, who need a crutch. You need a crutch. I don't need a crutch. I'm not weak. I don't need God. That's thinking very highly of yourself when you think you don't need God. It's interesting. Some people go the intellectual route and they go, well, you know, I, I took history in, in college because I'm educated, okay, and I studied history. And history tells us that ignorant, uneducated people they need something smarter than themselves, and so they create a God, and they need a God because they're ignorant. I am not ignorant. I don't need God. Chapter 3, verse 7. Don't think, don't think yourself wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Get rid of evil. Get, run from evil. You see, the, the first step here is, parents, if you're here this morning... And for you to understand that you need to be feeding on the Word of God personally. You need to be walking in wisdom personally. I think so often, parents, we want to go, Hey kids, I want to teach you something. And if they could speak, or if we'd allow them to speak, they'd say, Can you show me it first? Can you show me it first? I want to see it. I want to see it. So as we walk in right relationship with God, and then we call our kids to it, that they too would have a right relationship and it would be the beginning for them of being wise. As we are in uh, chapter 3, I want to show you something. This is my second point. So, wisdom begets wisdom. I just call this uh, my son. My son. In chapter 3, verse 1, this is what it says. My son, do not forget my teaching. Skip down to verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. 21. My son, do not lose sight of these. And then even going on in the uh, next chapter, he says, hear my son or hear my sons. Why does he um, keep saying, my son, my son, my son? You get this picture of a a father speaking to his son, obviously inspired by God. But what is he doing? He's saying, i got some things I need to teach you. Uh, because, why? Because you're my son. Because God set this up real simply. That 
my dad had a son. And, and I have three sons and a daughter. And they might have kids. And, and who, who has the responsibility for this? Who, who's going to teach them? If you're a parent here today, if you're not a parent and hoping to be a parent, uh, you will one day go through this. But there's that moment. There's that moment. You're in the hospital or wherever you have the baby and it's chaos and the baby comes out and everyone's excited. There's people around and people are talking and the baby's healthy and da 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 and they're, they're talking. And then there's all this learning and you don't know what you're doing. And, and then finally maybe you get home and as, as things finally settle down, there'll be that moment where you're holding your child and you're going, this is my son. This is my daughter. They're mine. This isn't someone, no one else is responsible. This is me. This is me. This is mine. An overwhelming responsibility that goes on there. It floods us and so many of us, as we think that through, we go, we take the big gulp and say, what do I do now? Solomon was living that out as he was imparting to his son wisdom and saying, my son, my son. There's a, um, there's a book that was written a, a few years ago, and I won't mention uh, the author because it will turn into a political thing. But... Um, it just makes me break out in a rash every time I hear about it. Um, the title of the book was It Takes a Village. It Takes a Village. Um, and to which I always want to say, it may take a village, but not the village people. Okay? Um, think about it later. Um, but um, the the picture here was this, that that it takes everyone to parent, that there is not a, a singular source of responsibility. There's, there's a responsibility. The parent has a slice, and then you have somebody else, your extended family might have a slice, and uh, a coach might have a slice, parents might have a slice, a teacher, uh, the youth pastor, just want to throw that in there, uh, the youth pastor might have a slice, a Sunday school teacher might have a slice. Everyone has this little piece of what's going on. I want to tell you, though each one of those groups of people have a huge impact, there's a singular responsibility as to the parents. It's a singular responsibility. It's your job. It's your job. It's easy for us when things blow up to point fingers at somebody else. How come you didn't teach my son or daughter to read? How come my son's doing so bad in, in class? How come they're acting up? You must not be a very good disciplinarian. Where did they learn such language? You know, who taught them that? The list goes on of, of pictures where we're pushing away and saying somebody else is responsible. And you look at this and Solomon in all his heart, he looks down and he says, my son, my son. I, I want to show you a subtle difference here. There's a danger. There's a danger for us as parents. Um, to say, well, yeah, it is my son. It is my son. And I'll do whatever I want because I'm the dad and that's my son. Mom's saying, going through the birth story thing. You know what I mean? 
I went through 19 hours of hard labor for you and you are my son or my daughter and I will do as I choose. Uh, I realize this isn't in Proverbs, but in uh, Psalm chapter 127, verse 3, favorite passage of mine, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. What that tells us is this, and I always want to say gift, and in other translations it says gift, but it's much more than that. Is that God, when He gives a child, this is what He does. He says, I want to give you something extremely valuable, an inheritance that will set you up for the future. It's the greatest possession that you have. Here it is. It's a reward. It's from me. It's from me. And as we receive a son or a daughter, we must remember that they are our son or daughter. But they were a gift, a gift of God. And for us to fearfully and uh, carefully realize that God does not give gifts without giving accountability to himself. That he doesn't say, hey, you know, I gave you this, you waste it on whatever you want. Treat him however you want. He said, no, it's a gift from me. Our children are a gift. So thinking this through, if you have a son or a daughter, I want to tell you this. There's nothing, there's nothing more important that you do than parent. There's nothing more important than you do that you do. I want you to think about that in your mind right now. Some of you are saying, boy, you know, I would be a better parent, but I'm I'm so stressed out. My schedule's crazy. You know, I gotta pick up my poodle from the hairdresser at three PM and Costs a lot of money. I'm so stressed out. I got so many things I need to do. I, I, you know, I, I got all these people are calling me, phone calls, and I'm lacking money. I don't know what to do. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I want to tell you, you might, you might be busy, but the most important thing that you have to do is parent your child. Most important thing. It's the most, it's the most expensive gift you have. It's the, the most important thing in your day. I think some of you are thinking right now, you're thinking about your job and you say, Man, I have an incredible job, you know, I'm, I'm super important at my job. You know, I'm making a spaceship, you know. Not everyone can make spaceships. You, you know how smart I need to be? i got so many degrees, I don't even know what to do with them. I've got a calculator you couldn't even figure out how to use. I'm super important. You might be, but the most important thing that you do is parent your child. The most important thing you do. Spaceship building comes a distant second. Third, maybe fourth or fifth. I want to confess to you that this isn't just for secular jobs. I don't know if you know this or not. Um, You could see it on the back of your bulletin. I have this little plate that goes on my door. I don't know if you realize how important I am. I'm the senior pastor of Beer Valley Church. Super important. There's a ton of people who depend on me. I'm, you know, I'm the boss around here, and you know, I, I, super important. Things are going to fall apart if I don't do my job. Hey, I don't care how important you are. There's nothing more important that you will do than parent your children, and there's no one else that can do it. God has placed you in that position of responsibility. Your son, your daughter.
I want to um, turn over to uh, chapter 10 of the book of Proverbs. I want to tell you parents and future parents, it's good for you. uh, You have, for your pleasure, you should put your hand to the plow when it comes to parenting. You should realize that it's for your good to be an amazing parent that follows after the Lord. It's for your good. It's for your good. Uh, sometimes we lose focus of this. You know, if you think about the whole parenting thing, maybe it doesn't make sense to you. You work really hard. You, you have this baby. They're, they're intense. You know, they, they just want food and be changed. And sometimes they want things you don't even know about and they won't tell you. Um, and so y- you don't even know what's going on. You're, it's all this work. It's all this work. Kids, you're, you're, you're doing homework and you're, you're taking care of them. You're fixing boo-boos and uh, staying up light when they're, when they're sick and, and they get older and you're worried about them and you can care for them. You're trying to teach them. And then once they get to the place where they're, they're a full-fledged adult and, and you're super excited, you have this product of all your hard work, then they take off on you. That's awful. And it seems like you're, you're going, I don't know how all this works. Like, like maybe, maybe it's not worth it. Maybe it's not worth it. I want to share with you why it's worth it. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1, this is um, what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And this is not uh, just this little child, but it's really a lifelong, a lifelong um, truth that we need to hold. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1 says this, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. You know, it's interesting. uh, When you're, uh, I, I see it in some of you older folks, that you're super excited about your, how your kids turn out. You, you brag about them to me. I, you know, sometimes I get tired of hearing from you. You're, you're like, hey, so-and-so, you know, my son did this, my daughter did this, and then you kind of go. You know why? Because it makes you happy inside. When you see them making wise choices, when you see them honoring the Lord, man, it just thrills your heart. It thrills your heart. It, you know, you bring them here at Christmas time and you, you stand in front of me and you say, this is my son. This is my daughter. And then I got to go through all the grandkids and, you know, it gets complicated. And I can't remember all their names. And, but, but why? Why? I'll tell you why. Because the idea that they would be honoring the Lord and making wise choices, that they reach the goal of walking with Christ in full dependence. What, what, what's so great about that? Makes a heart glad. Makes a mama and a, a papa real proud, real thankful for what God has done. That's the product, right? This is the, the product of, is our pleasure. Is our pleasure found in our kids? Well, um, I, I want to just talk to you about the whole idea of wisdom. And we've already grazed upon this a little bit, but, but wisdom goes like this. First of all, wisdom needs to be modeled modeled in the parents needs to be modeled can't skip that step can't skip it uh if we are going to call our kids to living a wise life that's found in the proverbs we need to simple we need to 
We need to know Proverbs well enough and have it working in our lives that our kids, grandkids can look at us and say, hey, I saw that verse in you, Dad. I, I, saw, I see that in you. To, to struggle with that before them. So, so we first model wisdom. Second thing is we teach them wisdom. We speak it. We speak it. Don't divorce these two. Don't tell them, hey, the book of Proverbs says this. And they go, Dad, you don't care about this. And he said, yeah, yeah, forget about that right now. The book of Proverbs says this. Okay? Model it, teach it, and then the last step of impressing it upon them. Sometimes you need to use a sledgehammer at this point. Okay? It's the idea of making that press and saying, this, I want to show you how important this is. You know why? This is a real simple why. Reason why. So, um, this morning in the surprise box, which you missed, it was super cute. Uh, Lydia um, brought me, I think, five or six little children's books. And most of them, it starts out with like Prince, Disney princess books. And then it went from Snow White, Little Mermaid. Um, I think uh, Cinderella was in there. And then it was Cars. And the last book was The Story of Christmas. Okay. And I thought, what a picture of the way your kids are going to struggle. They're going to have all kinds of things laid out. And I'm not against princess books, totally. Okay? I uh, just wanted to make that clear. I'm not against princess books, totally. Um, but uh, in the midst of that, we have the Word of God, Him speaking. And what your kids will need to know, and what you need to know, is that there should be a single priority of who you listen to. That this isn't just one of many books. It's the book. And God doesn't get His opinion interjected into your life. He gets your listening ear. And that all, all else turns out and fades away when you hear from God. And so that's what wisdom needs to look like to your kids. They, they don't just need to know it. They don't just don't need to see it, but they need to realize that it should be the priority of their soul. That his wisdom needs to be played out in their lives. Well, um, why is this so hard? Turn to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15 says this, and this, this right here, um, uh, this isn't something they write in books on parenting uh, on Amazon.com. Okay, if you're searching for a book on parenting to learn about what it is to be a parent, this you, you don't find this. This isn't a hot bestseller. It says this, verse 15. We're just going to handle that first line today. Folly is bound up. In the heart of a child. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Or you could say it this way. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Um, I love that Ellison was so cute today and perfect. Like she's just perfect. She just, she just as I held her, she just didn't, you know, she didn't cry or anything because she knew that I was a good guy. Um, and she's just sweet. Um, as you look at an infant, most people, when they look at an infant, they say this. This is a blank piece of paper. 
is a blank piece of paper waiting to be written upon. And what will happen in time, the circumstances of life, the home she's raised in, the culture and community and experiences that she has, those things will all make her to be whatever she becomes. That's not true. That's not true. She's not a blank sheet of paper. He is not a blank blank sheet of paper. Foolishness from birth is bound up in the heart of a child. I'm not saying, I want you to get this clear. We're going to look at some verses on what it is to be a fool. And what, I, what I'm saying is this, that inside of each one of us, as we were born, foolishness was bound up. We were, we were born in sin. Other passages lead us in Romans and Genesis as we talk about this. This is what it teaches us, that we are born as sinners. And, it, and what happens is as time goes on, we grow to be better at it. It manifests itself. And so we start at the place where foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Wow. That's tough for us to understand. Well, what does it mean? If you look over at chapter 15, verse 1. I'm sorry, that's not the right verse. 15 verse 5. I'll tell you what your child would say uh, if they could express what's going on in their heart. Verse 5 says this, A fool despises his father's instruction. Uh, You know what? The heart of a fool, the heart of a fool does not want any input into their life. They don't want to be taught. They don't want to sit and listen to see what the best way is for them. They just want to go. They want to do. That's what a fool looks like, is one who despises, uh, especially the father's discipline. If you turn over a, a page or so to chapter 13, verse 20, God's word says this, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harms. Will suffer harm. You, you know what? You know what your the potential of your child is. If their foolish heart has its place to grow up and to expand and to express itself, that they will be a bad friend, and they will seek other bad friends, and together they will suffer more harm because they're together. Companion of fools suffers harm. You see this. Uh, you want to know where to see it? <laughs> I could point a few places. We could go find it this week. We could see it everywhere, right? We could go to the Whiting Center. We could go to the school. We could see it on the bus. We, we could see it in the mall, right? We could see it on the internet. We could, we could see it anywhere, right? Fools are bad in and of themselves, but they become bad friends, and together they bring about more pain to their own life. See, this is the potential for every boy and every girl that's been born. Chapter uh, 15, verse 2, if you, um, I know we're just over there, but if you could turn back there. 15, verse 2 says this, The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. What is it, if this is going to grow up, what's going to happen? Their mouth, once they learn to talk, right? 
once they learn to communicate, once they un- they're able to do it clearly, what's going to come forth? Their foolishness in their heart, it's going to spew forth from their mouth. Um, and I won't say that we'll jump into a life of politics, but that very well could be, right? It's that sense of the ugliness of the heart coming out from the mouth. This is what's going to happen for those who have the heart of a fool. We go on, you could talk about uh, they're not wanting wisdom, they have a quick temper. I think about my list here. Uh, fools are boastful, they are proud, they justify their sin, they are self-centered, they argue, they quarrel, they mock at sin, they uh, embrace sin, uh, they steal, they are foolish with money, they are attracted to immorality, they are attracted to drinking and gluttony. And then this is just a partial list, right? This is where the foolish heart ends up. I think about... Um, as parents, I've said this, and uh, you know, you see something happen in your child, and I've heard others say this as well, and they see something ugly that has happened, and it came out, and it catches them off guard, and they they say this thing that maybe all parents say says, "What's wrong with my child? What's wrong with my child?" As if they don't know, and if they'd look to the Word of God, they would know. They would say, "I know what's wrong with my child." Because the Proverbs tells us that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. That it will come out. It will come out. It, it will express itself because foolishness is inside. So I want to put these things together for you this morning and really encourage you to come back the next two weeks um, as we talk about a li- little bit more. So uh, we're called to set up our kids in wisdom have God's wisdom in them so that they are ready and equipped to handle anything. So they need God's wisdom. But the heart that we're to impress this upon is bound up with foolishness. It's already on that road. And so there's a huge derailment that needs to happen and sending in a different direction. To say it this way, um, your child has a congenital birth defect. Is something seriously wrong. It's like as if thick chains were around their heart that need serious attention. I want to encourage you parents that this is not temporary. I think so often parents see foolishness in their children and they go, ah, they'll grow out of it. They'll grow out of it. I just got to wait it out. Uh, I want to tell you, I want to foreshadow a little in the weeks to come. Uh, that's not what God's word says. God says there's a different way. That, that there is a way to work on foolishness and it is not to wait it out. Lastly, I want to tell you this, it's deadly. It's as if there's a cancerous tumor wrapped around your child's heart. You know, if I told you you had cancer, if I told you there was a serious danger to your child, us as parents who are uh, concerned about the welfare of our, we'd be very motivated, very motivated. I want to tell you, that we should be very motivated uh, to bring God's wisdom to our children. Obviously, this morning uh, has been a huge challenge uh, for us. And maybe some guilt for the farther along you've been in parenting and you, you want to go back, you want to take that mulligan. And I want to encourage you, this is not apart from the Lord 
that he covers us in his grace and he also empowers us for today. You say, well, I can't do it. You're right, you can't do it. But partnering with the Lord, he'll give you everything that you need to be a faithful parent. Let me pray for you now. God, thank you. Thank you for the blessings of the families that are represented here today. God, you know each challenge that's happening in each family. God, you realize the ways that we have failed and continue to fail you. God, I ask that you would remind us of your grace and that you would cover us with the blood of Jesus in all these things. God, I pray for our, our, our students that are here, our children, the ones that are, are very small and even the, the ones in the womb right now. Lord, we pray that you would make us parents that are wise that we are faithful to impart that to the next generation, that we're concerned about it. God, forgive us for our pride of thinking that there's more important things to do than parent. God, motivate us. Um, and as we, I think as, as Nehemiah, uh, as he worked uh, on, the, on the wall around Jerusalem, just a task, and he said, strengthen my hands. Lord, we ask that you would strengthen our hands that we would be faithful parents. God bless your church. Thank you for Bear Valley Church and all that you're doing here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you to come back in the next couple of weeks um, so that we can really unpack some of these things of how to go about doing this and how we can uh, set up that next generation to walk faithfully with him. Thank you for being here. Uh, You are dismissed.